Are psychedelics helpful for healing? We're so glad that you're here because you're choosing to thrive in your relationship. Guys, welcome to The Betrayed, The Addicted, and The Expert, a Beyond Enough production. Hi, I'm Ashlyn, the once betrayed. I'm Kobe, the once addicted. And I'm Brandon, the expert. And he's definitely an expert. You've been working to help couples with their extreme challenges for like 15 years, right? Yeah, a long time. And I'm glad that I'm here with you guys sharing your vulnerable story. And I hope that it helps our listeners as well. Absolutely. And if you need some help getting started, we have a free resource over at beyond-enough.com forward slash step one. And that's one, the number. It provides the first key steps to healing your relationship, regardless of how tough things are right now. All right, guys, let's roll. All right, before we go into that, let's read a iTunes review. It's called Never Ready to Get, Not Ready to Give Up. A friend told me about this podcast after my husband had an emotional affair, which led to a weekend fleeing out of state. I decided I wasn't ready to give up on our 18-year marriage yet because he's an amazing husband. And when he isn't lusting after other women on social media, he's a good guy. It's been five months and we've been working on ourselves and listening to this podcast together. It's been amazing to know we are not alone in this journey. I am so happy to have found this podcast during the hardest time of my life. It really has made such a big difference. Thank you for that. And I'm always happy to hear that people are finding this so early on in their journeys. Um, definitely something we wish we had had was a little more education. Yeah, that was really cool because she's, it's, it's hard when there's such deep and traumatic wounds from betrayal to really see the, the goodness in your partner. Mm -hmm. So I I give, I tip my hat to her for, uh, for that review, for sure. Wish them the best. All right, guys, I'm excited to introduce our guest today. Javier joins us. Uh, It's not his real name, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and just read a quick little sketch of who he is. Javier, again, not his real name, is an executive in a multinational corporation. He's been married uh, to the same woman for 25 years, and they have four kids together. About five years ago, they realized that some unresolved challenges from Javier's formative years were manifesting themselves in ways that negatively affected his approach to marriage and was damaging the relationship after couples and individual counseling produced only moderate improvement and inspired by some time in Peru where he learned about the psychedelic brew with famously healing properties called ayahuasca. Javier decided to take this approach and he is here to tell us about his experiences, for which we're very grateful. This has been uh, a hot topic in, um, I guess, culturally um, uh, this year for us. Anyways, it's been very much on our minds, and um, we've we've seen a lot of activity surrounding this. So, Javier, just appreciate your willingness to come here and share. Um, and I think that this will give a lot of people hope on dealing with, again, the same kinds of deep-seated family issues that uh, that we all have. Can I just say really quick before we start, because there might be people listening who were once like me and just like the door is closing. This is crazy. This is out there. Why are we talking about this? Uh, it scared me when I first started to hear about, um, I think, Brandon, I think you might've been one of the first people who started talking to me about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I started looking into, uh, documentaries, podcasts, uh, books, all sorts of, um, studies basically, because I wanted to understand before I shut down. So I was a little curious, but also scared. 
Um, so, and then so, being able. So what you're saying, Ashlyn, is to, to try hard to be open today. Yeah. And, and just open and listen, because I think a lot of what we do talk about could scare some people and, mm-hmm. and think we're going, you know, off our rocker or whatever. <laughs> and, and, and if you just listen, I, I ask you to, to just listen, listen to what Javier has to say, what I have to say, and your paradigm might shift some. So, yeah. And you don't have, it doesn't have to be for you, but just having that open mind, like you said, I think is always a good way to, to live life. So let's, let's go. So to start, can I, can I just ask you Javier to share, I I know there's a lot of intricate details and, and even personal sacred details to a plant medicine journey. Um, and, and I'm not asking you to share those, but just, just share with us your experience. How, how did you end up in Peru doing ayahuasca? What is ayahuasca? Um, just kind of share with us what, what, what you experienced. Let me, and first of all, thank you for having me on. Um, I, one thing I want to do is, is, is first start by saying that I'm, the reason I'm not using my name is not that I'm ashamed of any of this. In fact, this is something I'll talk about all day long to anybody who wants to. It's, it's life-changing. Um, the, 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 the real reason is because for, for quirks of history and society and, and, uh, and that this, you know, what I'm going to discuss is something that's, that's technically illegal. And, um, and, you know, you, you see those ads or you see those stories in newspapers, like the stupid criminal, like the, the, the one who calls the cops to report that they got shortchanged on their crack deal or something like that, you know, <laughs> and then, and, and everybody laughs about that. And I thought, you know, if I had come on here and just, and, and speak really openly about it, given that this is still technically a, you know, a scheduled drug, um, I don't want to be that guy. So, uh, so I've, yeah, I'm just, I'm using my name, but there will come a time when people will speak about this very openly and I'm, I'm eager for that day to come. So, um, and I also just kind of quickly want to offer a little, um, kind of a lexicon. When I first learned and kind of got involved in this world, I, 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 I could tell it, you know, that the people that are into it use, they use different kind of silly sounding terms at first. And I thought, and, and when you're, when you're approaching this, when your only frame of reference is actual drugs of abuse, these things sound silly. And so I, I just, but, but I find that I can't help but use them because this is a kind of, this is kind of a sacred thing. So let me give you a brief little lexicon. Um, we don't, we don't call this a drug. We call it the medicine. Okay. And because it, it's derived directly from plants, it gets called, you know, a plant medicine. Ayahuasca is actually, um, at least two different plants that, that when brought together have a very powerful synergistic effect. So there is no ayahuasca plant. Ayahuasca is the name of a brew that's composed of at least two plants. Um, We don't say you get high using it. We talk about being in the medicine. That's the term. And we don't say you do ayahuasca. You say you sit with ayahuasca. And sometimes the the medicine gets called madre or mother or grandmother. That's kind of the, a, that's in, in the culture, that's the term that gets used. And it's administered by a shaman and in a context that we call ceremony. So these are terms you'll hear me use. Um, and they sound kind of affected, but they're, they seem appropriate. So um, the way I got into this is uh, at one point, I actually had some mushrooms, some psychedelic mushrooms just kind of fall into my lap. I went, it's a long story how I had them. And I had them just sitting for a long time. And um, I had a... Um, on one occasion, I, I decided I was curious and decided to use them. And um, 
really didn't know what I was doing and had a, had a very, very kind of powerful mystical experience, which at one point resulted in my um, feeling like I, I lost contact. I lost my sense of self. And it, it, it worried me. It was so powerful and so unexpected. It made me worry that I had, um, that I'd lost my mind or something. And so as soon as I was able, I kind of did some research and, and got online and learned that this is, this is a phenomenon called ego death. And this is the thing that makes, you know, psychedelics uh, so interesting. Okay. Um, and it, it kind of shuts down the sense of, of yourself, of, of the ego, and you're able to get insights that come straight from your soul, free of the ego's uh, tendency to want to help you avoid pain um, and, and to kind of twist reality in ways that are, are convenient. So I, I found a book on this topic by an author named Michael Pollan, and it's called um, uh, How to Change Your Mind. And he looks at psychedelics as healing substances and talks about this idea of ego death. And I basically decided this is something it, it called to me, basically. And I said, this is something I'm going to pursue. One of, the, one of the principles of this world is the idea that once you make that decision, things start to happen. Like that's when the journey begins, when you decide to take it. And it was within just a couple of days, I happened to be at lunch with a, with a very close relative. And she revealed to me that that weekend she was going to have an experience with ayahuasca. She was going to attend a ceremony. It just, it happened just like that. And so she connected me to her shaman. And that's how I had my first experience. Um, and I've since connected to three different communities. This is, this is, because this is technically, again, illegal, this all takes place underground. And so it's different. You can't just go and find people online. You have to be referred by a trusted member of, of a community. And so that's, what my cousin did for me was connect me to a uh, a shaman who 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 ended up serving providing my first experience, and I've since had eight. So, yep. Now I, I want you to share your experience. So, what what did it do for you? What like how did it? I, I really like what you're talking about in terms of the ego going away. Um. Because it feels like sometimes as a therapist, I'm just battling with people's egos all day long and, and trying to get them to overcome that ego so that their soul and their heart can heal. Um, but but what, what was it like for you? What, what did it do? How did it, how did it help you? So um, let, let me start by, by kind of echoing what you just said, Brandon, as somebody who's, who's had who's taken the, the, the route of, um, of therapy. And that's one of the problems I kept bumping into is I would have extensive conversations with people um, and, you know, kind of uh, as always trying to get to the root of things. And then they would, I, I ran into two things that were frustrating. One is that it seemed like therapists whose specialty was depression would view everything in the context of depression. And if they were all about diet, working with, you know, just whatever, like it's kind of a hammer nail kind of thing. Um, and so I sort of felt like, well, you know, okay, this is, I see where you're coming from, but I, you probably see, this is, it's probably your tendency to want to go there because it's what you're good at. Mm -hmm. And often when they would kind of say, well, I, I think, I think we need to focus on this event or this thing. And my inclination was so often to say, yeah, I can see why you'd say that, but you weren't there. And so, and I second guess and I kind of get all jammed up and I would, and I would struggle to progress after that point. When 
it, this reminds me a little bit of the movie Inception, this idea that, that when thoughts are born from inside you, those are the ones that are really influence you. And, and what I found in this world is that, is that having the ego taken out of the picture allows impressions to come up directly from inside you. And you cannot argue with those because they, they don't come from a therapist who doesn't have all the context. They come from your soul. And then suddenly you know you know what you need to work on. You 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 remember with great clarity the incident or the that error, that phase of the life and the counterproductive ways of of responding to them and the and the effects, the effects those have and the ripples and how they affect my wife, et cetera. So um so now let me answer your question. And that is how this what my experience is I I let me also first by saying I compared the whole thing to being an astronaut. Um that it, that, that the process starts, as I alluded to earlier, when you make the decision. So when you commit to doing this and you set an intention, that is when the journey, that is when the ceremony begins. In the same way that an astronaut becomes an astronaut when you are named an astronaut, you know, like when you are, when you're chosen to go into space, that's when you can be. Then there's a, then there's a period of preparation that where you have to spend time thinking about your intention. And then there's, there's a very, real phase of preparation where you have to um where you eliminate activities and diet and and medicines and med actual medications things have to be eliminated from your life you end up living as a vegan and the most boring vegan uh for for a few weeks you take you take anything that's good out of your diet anything that tastes good but you, you do feel pretty good. but no salt no sugar no meat no dairy no fats no yeah, the worst possible kind of veganism. No um, sex either, right? And so that's, I think that there is a, yeah, there is a period. Different different communities ask that you abstain from any kind of sexual stimulation for between two days and two weeks. And some say two weeks before and two weeks after. So um, that varies kind of by the community, by the shaman. Um, but you've got your, your preparation, your training. Then you actually, you go to the ceremony proper. You take the medicine. And then the next phase is in keeping with the astronaut thing, what I call blast off. And that is a very, very intense phase of, um, of extreme visual and, and I mean, extreme sensory stimulation on every level. And this is the, this is the phase. It only lasts, I mean, I think about a half hour. The problem is when you're in the middle of it, you really, you, your sense of time becomes very distorted. I think it lasts about a half hour i'm not sure um but this is the weird kind of mystical part that that people refer to a lot where you close your eyes and you, you feel like you're touring the universe it's very um it's very intense i i actually don't think there's much meaning in that in, any more than there's meaning in, a, in an astronaut actually you know sitting at the top of a rocket um heading up to a, the space station it's just something you have to do it, the, the point is you're trying to get you're trying to get to what follows which is orbit um, orbit is where you, where the actual magic in this process hits. And that's what I, that's about the two and a half to three hour period that follows where you get to experience extreme clarity, where your, your ego remains suppressed, but not as it was to the, to the degree it was during the blast off. It remains suppressed in a way that you, you, you regain a sense of yourself where in blast off, you have no idea, like you, you lose, you lose contact with your own body. Um, in when you reach that orbit phase, the two and a half to three hours of that's where 
that's where the real magic is. That's where the insights come. And, and you're, it's just filled with moments of kind of having these ideas, these, re these revelations about your own life and just saying, well, that's so obvious. Why didn't I think of that before? And it just comes. Um, but there's, there's another part of that too. And that's before you quite get to that stage there's a there's a, a period of darkness and, and pain frankly it hurts um and it's it it's it's scary at times and it can last three you know five minutes sometimes it lasts the full two and a half hours and you you really get the sense that that's where work is being done on your mind um and it's difficult to find meaning of that either but but you get the sense that well okay let me go back and finish that say that you know orbit ends you have the re-entry you come back to earth and then there is a period of integration and a period of learning and looking back on the experience and um the real magic to me comes in the weeks that follow the ceremony where suddenly you simply notice that you think and you see the issues confronting you differently you don't leave the ceremony feeling like you're a different person, but you get back and you get back into your life and you suddenly realize you don't view the problem the way you did before. And it's, yeah, that's the, that's the magic. Yeah. And that's, that's why you endure the, 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 the difficulty of the ceremony is uh, you're, you, you come away not, not only with, with a little book full of, you know, um, uh, insights that you've written, you scribble down in the middle of it, but you simply find yourself different than you were before. And uh, to, to the extent that I can tell, always pause it in the positive way. So that's, that's been my experience. And, and it, in this world, of um, there's, there's a tendency to want to personify this, the, the medicine. And you know, and the medicine is called madre or mother or grandmother. And, and because it has a very, it can be harsh with you, but it's very wise and very interested in your well-being is a, is a grandmother figure would be. Um, a lot of people want to take it a step further and kind of personify the medicine as a, as, as an actual entity with, with, you know, a sense of humor and desires and, and that. And I, I don't go quite that far, but I will say that, experiences vary enormously from one to the next though you're taking the same thing in the same amounts under almost identical circumstances the impact it has on you and how you get through it and and how how difficult they are or how easy they are varies in such enormous ways you kind of can't help but want to assign human characteristics to this and i'll give you an example i i've just come back from a ceremony this past weekend and um and it was two nights long two nights and on the first night um i took a certain amount you get to choose how much you want and and i was able to very like you know i was able to write a lot of very grammatically correct and um uh, uh very orderly i had a lot of very orderly ideas that i quickly took down um and the next night i took the same amount under the same circumstances and had a very very difficult experience in fact, th this is this is about all I was able to write. <clears throat> we must forget how hard this is. Why would I keep doing this? <laughs> and, and then on the next page, it was, this is like chemo for the soul. <laughs> I mean, like, I, it was, and I, I, I spent the whole time wishing it would end because it was very difficult. 
but it does end. And then you are left with that period of clarity that I kind of referred to earlier. And, um, uh, and then I did go on to write down several things, but none of them are, are quite as quite as orderly as they were the night before, yet it was the same thing, but a very, very different experience. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's awesome. Javier, can sorry, I just have a question on that of clarification. Can you share with us more about what that what that looks like for you and in the communities with which you've interacted with, uh, you know, in, in these circles? When you say this this can be challenging and hard, like chemo for the soul, can you say more about what that may look like? Like physical, please. Is it is mean? a. So it is a very, um, it just, it feels like, you know, after the, after the blast off part, you, you feel a very palpable sense of darkness. Um, it, it can be scary. And, um, and when it's not that strong, I find I have the ability to sit up during it and kind of, and kind of maintain kind of a meditative posture. When it is difficult, all I want to do is get as low to the ground as possible and curl up in a ball and cover myself up in my blanket and just get through it. And, and you, another one of the unique characteristics of ayahuasca is there's always a, a moment of purging. And the, the one that gets the most airtime is vomiting. Um, a lot of people vomit during, during the ceremony. And um, in fact, everybody has a little bucket with them. Um, you, you get the sense and let me also say, not everybody vomits. I usually yawn, like like big, serious, like head splitting yawns, and and my eye and I cry. Um, that's how I purge. It's there's always there's always an a, an aspect of moving energy through your body. That's what it is. And what the and what the culture, what the the ayahuasca tradition says, is that is the act of taking that darkness that you felt gathering up, that you felt immersed in, and purging it and getting rid of it. And indeed, very much. These two things, the, the, the purge very much seems to signify to me the end of that, of that dark phase. Um, and uh, and then, then that's when the insights kind of follow. You, you get past that and suddenly you feel that burden of that darkness alleviated and you, um, and you get to then move on to the part where, where, the, real, where, the, where the real meaning is. But I, I really don't know how else to describe it other than it's just, it's a sense of, kind of darkness and fear and it and, and I, I don't want to say this in, in a way that intimidates people because um it, it's followed by lightness and, and and love and so you and that lightness and love I think is made all the more powerful because of how starkly it contrasts with what you just mm -hmm. experienced and that and, and and being very aware of those two senses in such close proximity to to one another seems to make the clarity that follows more powerful and it really you you were reminded of of that that you want we all want the one and not the other we don't want the darkness but you you are reminded of like this is why we're doing this to 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 purge that to get rid of that to manage it to understand it to not be as as scared in our life day-to-day lives by it so uh, other than that it's difficult to explain to somebody who has done it I, I can I, I just want to reiterate something that that you're talking about and if you if you listen to Javier you listen closely to him um, what he's not saying is 
you know, we go down to the corner, we buy some drugs, and then we, we pop the drugs to have some good times with our friends. Um, he's talking about extreme, not extreme, um, he's talking about intentionality and um, what, where you prepare your heart, you prepare your soul, and, and you take the medicine with, with a shaman, who, and a lot of people might not understand what a shaman is, but a shaman is a spiritual leader who is leading it and is safe. And, um, and, and if you go into it with, with that intention, then the medicine does, does the healing. And um, I, think, I think that, that any, anything can be abused or used in the wrong way, but I, I believe that God made these plants for us and, and for medicine. And, um, you know, I've, I've had my own experience with it. I haven't done ayahuasca, um, but I've, I went to Peru and had an experience with a shaman about a year and a half ago where I participated in a, in a San Pedro ceremony um, or Huachuma, which is, is a little bit different than ayahuasca but it's, it's similar. And a lot of the things that you're describing, Javier, is, is what I have experienced. Um, if I can just share just a little bit, I, um, I wanna start backwards. I went to lunch with a buddy two weeks ago and he said, he said, you know, you're so different since you went to Peru. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you used to have just this heaviness in your eyes and you were always stressed and you were just tired and now you're just like lighter and you're happier. And, and what he's describing is absolutely true. My marriage has been better than it's ever been since I went through my plant medicine journey. Um, my business and, and my work and my career has been more fulfilling than it's ever been. Um, and this is coming from a very conservative guy who never touched a drop of alcohol uh, you know, until I went to Peru, you know, and, and so I'm very conservative, but I felt God leading me down to Peru. And I had an experience that totally got rid of that ego and cleansed my soul, cleansed my emotions, touched me at levels that I didn't even know were there and taught me things about myself, about my family, and just gave me, it, it, I don't know for you, Javier, but I even got to the point where I went through the darkness and I, I came back into the light and I got to the point where I wasn't scared of death. I realized a lot of cycles and, and, and things like that. And it just gives, you sound a little crazy when you talk about it because it gives you such a higher perspective. It's hard to even describe it for me. To, to really describe what I felt and what my experience was. But I just want to second everything you're saying. I, and and it's, it's just awesome that you're on here with us talking about this because I believe in healing and I'm a therapist. And if I don't share this type of healing with people and yet I've experienced something so powerful myself, I don't think I could be in my integrity and so for you to have the courage to come talk about your experiences, I really appreciate. And I hope that people are open to as well. So let me, let me um, something I should add is that, that, that you know, ayahuasca is called the grandmother. 
um, because again, it, ayahuasca can be kind of harsh. Ayahuasca is very forward looking. Um, Brandon's describing the, the kind of the, the yin to the yang of ayahuasca, this, yes. which again is called wachuma, which is a cousin of, of, of peyote. Um, but we don't take peyote because peyote is endangered and slow growing. And so there is this, the analog exists in Peru. It's called, yeah, it's called San Pedro or Peruvian torch and the, called Wachuma. And I, and it is called the grandfather because it's, it's kind of, um, it's gentle and it's very backward looking. So in through, through which you, you need them both. I mean, you, you, you need wisdom uh, for for how to kind of move forward, but you also need the, the the benefit of of the looking back, and understanding why how we you know ended up where where we did. And so my very first experience was actually um, was a San Pedro ceremony. Oh, and uh, San Pedro doesn't get as much play because uh, it's not it's not quite as wildly mystical as as ayahuasca can be. And it's also not a guaranteed experience. You can, there are people who will take it and really not feel anything. You kind of have to step into it is my experience. But I, but in that very first experience, I was shown, um, see, and I, I can't even talk about it because um, it was so powerful, but I was shown the moment that, that everything changed for me. The moment when I made a, a, a what was probably a counterproductive decision in response to the behavior of somebody near me that I loved. And this was, this was long before I knew my wife. I mean, this was, I was, it was, it, it, I, I kind of compared it to that moment in, um, in a Christmas Carol when Ebenezer Scrooge is taken by the ghost of Christmas past and shown like the, you know, a wall of a room is removed and he gets to see it happen. And I got to, I got to see this happen. And, and I got to take that back to my therapist and say, I figured it out. Like, I know the moment that this mm -hmm. happened. Um, and then that was, and that was, that was a consequence of, of this, of the San Pedro that you describe. And nothing with ayahuasca has ever been quite like that. It's all been about here are things you need to do from now on to, to be the person you want to be. Um, but I have so much more clarity on that. Thanks to the San Pedro experience, which showed me really what kind of the genesis of the, of the distrust and the, um, uh, of, of what really kind of started my cycle, my, uh, which, you know, and the, the reverberations, which have kind of negatively affect my marriage. So, no, how, so yeah, here, so it's, um, San Pedro is. Can I ask you some, some things? So, um, my understanding is San Pedro is done during the day. Um, and ayahuasca is done at night in the dark. Is that, is that accurate? Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. San Pedro is, is daytime. It's very stimulating. And, uh, Ayahuasca is almost too stimulating. You take it at night in, in utter darkness because otherwise it's, 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 too, it's much. too much. Um, my, my experience, I was in the Sacred Valley in, in Pizac in Peru. Um, I was surrounded by the, the Andes. They were towering over me. Um, it, was, it was beautiful where I was. And with the, the, the nature and just the earth was such a, an integral go part of my healing with the San Pedro. Is that, is that typical? Yeah. With San with, with ayahuasca, you, you, you stay prostrate in a, in a circle surrounded by people. Um, very, very little movement, no talking, no touching of one another. Um, San Pedro is done in the middle of the day, surrounded by nature, 
full of touching and talking and hugging yes. and um, singing and chanting and, and, and a healthy dose of just going outside and looking at trees. <laughs> and like, and that is so by true. How, <laughs> by how beautiful and how, and how permanent and how enduring they are and what we can learn from them. Yeah. It's a, yeah. You, you, you kind of, I, I feel like you need both in the, in the, the, um, the shamanistic community that I'm a part of, it'll be two nights of ayahuasca. And then the next day is a San Pedro ceremony that you use to kind of uh, bring the, bring the learnings from the previous two nights together and, and integrate them in a way that is very, very powerful. And um, one of the things I've learned about San Pedro is, again, you, whereas ayahuasca will come and take you away like a tsunami, like there's nothing you can do to stop it. With San Pedro, you have to step into it. You have to be, you have to really have mastery. You, you have to um, almost kind of meditate your way into it. And even, and one of the things I've learned about myself is it's much more powerful for me when I am a recipient of an act of service in the middle of it, just even a small act of kindness. Yeah. For me, the first one happened when somebody could sense that I was cold and, sh and the, the woman, the person next to me gave me her blanket. And in that act set off what I will up to this point, always consider the most beautiful experience I've ever had as a human. And it was receiving an act of kindness. And, and in subsequent experiences with San Pedro, I've had to put myself in a position where somebody can do something kind for me and that that sets it off um I experience so that and then too. then nature nature is also vital a nature part of a, a vital part of the San Pedro experience so interesting uh, now i've heard that um doing this type of experience using plant medicine even just once can set you forward like years in what you could have done in therapy so I, I really love hearing that you're using both. So you're using these experiences to help you move forward quicker. Uh, it sounds like with your therapist of getting past the ego part, like Brandon was talking about of, you know, we put our walls up even to the people we're paying um, and just, and saying here, let's, let's deal with this. Um, so I think that's cool. I haven't always heard that when I've heard these experiences, it's, it's, from, from my experience, what I've learned is it's more of a one-off experience or two. So to hear that you've done it so many times and then continue with different types of therapy is, is really interesting. It's cool. Well, so let me, um, let me, and I, I know I end up doing a lot of forming analogies between things, but this is kind of how my mind works. I compare this to surgery in that, in that you, you need surgery to, to, you know, to make repairs, um, to, to do, accomplish kind of big things, but then you, you also need, um, physical therapy after, uh, otherwise there's, you, you can't, you can't gain much from it. The, the therapy that follows is the physical therapy. It's, it's analogous to that in my mind. You, you have to do that. You have to, to take the, the, the benefit, the learnings from what came before that, which is big and, and it rearranges stuff and it reroutes things and it, it, uh, but you, it, it, it's not, doesn't do a lot of good if you can't build the muscle up around it to support uh, what's, what's just happened. And so when I, when I go to my ther therapist, it's, it's with the intention of let's build up the muscle around this thing and, and help me know how to make, how to integrate this in a more permanent way in my life. And let me, you know, continue to benefit from the, from what just happened. But let me, I should also point out that every time I leave one of these ceremonies, I always come away saying, I think I'm done. I think I get it. I'm probably not going to do this for a while because they're <laughs> yeah. hard. 
Um, and then I, I just say, I think I get it. I tell this to my wife every time. I get it <laughs> maybe in six months, maybe in a year or something like that. And then it's about, two, it's about two months later, I start to feel the pull. And so I've been averaging about quarterly, about every three months I've been doing this. And, and it seems somewhere between there and every six months seems to be about right. So that's sort of what I anticipate continuing to do. Hey, that's interesting. I'm, you mentioned this before, but I have heard also that it calls to you. Like once you decide mm -hmm. that it is, um, like you say, whatever you believe in the universe working for this to happen, um, and it either calls to you or it doesn't. So I love hearing that, um, question for you. Did you go into these eight different experiences with different intentions or did you go to some of them with the same intention? Um, they're, they're all generally related. Uh, they're, they're different, but related. And let me also say that, that your, that the intention you go in with is, is, is certainly something that will be addressed, but there's always going to be all kinds of insights that, that you, you did not go in looking for. And that, that's what my little, so my little book is about. It's about like, there, there are ideas and, um, uh, impressions that, that, that bubble up and, and, and very clearly tell you, you've got to write this down. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, and so I, I've always, every ceremony I've gone to has, has been kind of about me and my, cause your intention can only be about you, about one, but I've always, everyone has also always been dedicated in some way or another to one of my children. Mm -hmm. And, and I'll have very strong insights into ways to improve my relationship with my children, which I had never gone in and in expecting to have but they always come to me and in ways that I, I did not expect. Um, but the, but my intentions have always, I mean, they're always kind of related. They're about, they're about reaching my potential as a person, whether professionally or in my, in my marriage or um, uh, just in my, how I, how I view myself generally. And so these, I would put these all in a very tight, you know, smallish box in the whole universe of things you could be interested in. But I'd say each one of them is maybe a little different marble inside that box, you know, but, but what, what's going to happen is going to happen. And you'll always come away with things you never, you never intended, hmm. um, but are always made better, better off for. Yeah. Brandon, did you, in your experience, did you journal as well? Or was it more the, in the moment? I, so um, I did journal some, um, I, my journey was long. I didn't, I didn't purge. I didn't throw anything up. And so I was, I was in it for maybe 18 hours. Um, it was a long time. And there was a, there was toward the end, I was, I was sitting in a room with my wife and I just started, she grabbed a journal and I just started talking to her, everything that I was shown, everything oh, wow. that I saw. Um, and things like Javier was saying, it, like specific things about my children um, I th the act of service thing rings so true to me. I had an experience and I won't get into the details of it. That was so, so powerful for me and so healing, um, when somebody did an act of service for me. So ju it just very deep and very real. You know, one thing that I say to people all the time, I say, we, we can't talk your problems out of you. We can talk and talk and talk, but your problems aren't, you're going to walk out of here and you're going to do a lot of the same things again, even though we mm -hmm. talked all about your problems. Um, what you need is an experience. You need to feel something different. And 
when you feel something different, then your wisdom, your knowledge is different and your world is different and you'll show up different. And so that to me is why, why this is so powerful. Um, so yeah, Javier, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your, your experiences. Um, Javier, I did have one last question. Um, and, and that was, can you just speak to the impact this has had on your relationship with your partner? Uh, boy, I, I, I think she could do a better job of it. Um, I, one thing I will say is she's now, at first, uh, it, it was a little bit of a sale um, trying to convince her that, <laughs> to, to, to support this. Um, she actually went to a ceremony with me, um, our, our first together and, and concluded it wasn't for her. Um, but she was, was able to, to see that, that there really is something to it. Um, and she's become my biggest supporter in this. She's seen changes in me just, um, I, as she describes it, and I guess I would describe it the same way is it's, it's, it changes in simply how I, how I view the issue that was, um, that, that threatened our marriage. Um, how, how I've been able to experience changes in, in the way that I, um, I'm able to kind of stand outside myself and, and, and look at it in, in ways that are just, um, uh, more, I, I guess maybe the change and change that is sustainable. I, it's, again, it's difficult to, maybe I should just answer your question by saying it's been enormously beneficial and has probably saved our marriage um uh and how describing how that came to be as difficult to, for somebody when you're talking to somebody who's not experienced it but it's i'd say it's the, the short answer is it's it's changed it utterly and completely and um beneficially so yeah sorry that was a my my experience with that but, is um, if i can take a stab at it is it gave me a level of of wisdom that that I couldn't have had before, and I used to live, operate a lot on expectations and resentments with my wife, um, and it it kind of rooted those out and helped me let go of a lot of those expectations, which led to a lot less resentment, which led to a lot more love and safety in our relationship, and. Um, it's just not, it's just not hard, as hard as it was anymore. It's just good now. So that's a big deal. Yeah. You both make it sound like, why have we done this? What are we are missing out? <laughs> I know. And, and I guess the last question I have for both of you is, is this, what has been the impact on your own self acceptance, self worth and self compassion? Why don't you go first, Brandon? <laughs> I got to think about that. Um, one, one of the major parts of, of the healing process for me was uh, I'm an empath. And so I, I hold a lot of, of people's energy. And, and I had been doing therapy for 10 years and, um, and, and, and neglecting my self-care neglecting, uh, taking everybody's stuff on and holding it and, and neglecting my self-care and the, the medicine, um, 
it, it, it released that from me. It, I, I no longer held it anymore. And when it did release that, what I was shown is um, that I, I'm important, that I need to take care of me, that not in a selfish way, but that I, I need to really nurture myself and love myself in those ways and not sacrifice myself for everybody else all the time. And, and I feel like I couldn't have seen that or felt that with all the weight of everybody else's energy inside of me and on me. And then the medicine helped, helped release all of that for me. So that was my experience. Awesome. Javier? In, in, in my case, you know, I, this is one of the learnings I had from the sermon I just completed is, is I, I was reminded of, of how in our youth, we, we do hard things um, in, in large part because we're, we're, we're kind of expected to, you know, we, we go to school and we write term papers and we do, um, we, we, we basically do things that we probably wouldn't choose under the circumstances. And a lot of us, and depending on the tradition we grew up in, we go on missions and we go, you know, we, 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 do, we do difficult things um, and we grow a lot as, as a consequence. You get older and you suddenly have more options and it's easier to avoid difficult things. And, and growth, I think, suffers as a consequence. Um, the, the ayahuasca experience can be very difficult. And, um, and, but, but we do it because for, for the same reason, we do other things where we feel like we have obligations. Um, we, I mean, you know, it's, it's difficult, but, but, but I do it because I want to be a better husband and a better person. And, and I get, you get through it and you feel validated. I, I personally feel validated in, in my capacity to, to uh, accomplish difficult things for the purpose of improving myself. And, um, and it, it feels a lot like those days as, as a missionary, when you would, you would stick through it and you would, you would endure difficult things and difficult, you know, cultures and living with this weird person and, and all that. And knowing that it was for your ultimate benefit and for the benefit of, of other people and the people back home. And that. so it just, I, I feel that same kind of zeal and, and, and so it's probably not, it probably shouldn't be surprising that I feel very evangelical about this. Like I want to proclaim the good news of this stuff. You know, I, I want other people to have it. And, um, and so I, I'll talk to anybody that, that wants to hear about it. So again, thank you for, for allowing me to um, be a part of this. Now, one of the, one of the challenges with this is because it is underground, you, it's very difficult to, to find these communities. And cause you, again, you have to be referred by somebody who's already trusted in the space and uh it's that's not the case so much if you want to go to peru or ecuador these okay. central american countries where this stuff is legal and in fact it's a major source of tourism if you want to do it here in you in utah where i am um you have to know somebody and that makes it difficult i actually spent some time talking to both my main shaman and my own therapist about what advice do i give somebody who wants to do this because i can't just say go to this website you know um and what we settled on is, is I want people to know that, that you have to first decide that this is something you want. So again, intentionality is vital. Make the decision. This is something you want in your life. Start researching it, like read everything you can about it. And then start having conversations with people around you. Um, 
and tell them that this is something you want. And I guarantee you, it will not be long before you discover somebody in your social circle either has been a part of it or knows somebody who has, and they can make that introduction. Otherwise, I don't know how else to do this, but, but decide you're going to do it, start learning about it, and then start talking about it, and it will not be long. Yeah, yeah. it'll... it'll um, my guess is they, they'll be surprised who has done this in their circle. I know I was. And, and by the way, if you do want to find resources um, outside of the country, um, Central America, South America, Peru, you can find resources online for that. Um, and yeah, you can DM me on Instagram at Brandon underscore Patrick. I can get you some resources about going to Peru. Um, so, uh, but, but I really like what you said, Javier, if your intention is that it, it's incredible how many people have come out of the woodworks for me and people that you never expect who are very open to it and very connected. And so, yeah, if your intention is there, it will come come to pass so javier, it's awesome thank you so yeah. much javier uh, brandon appreciate your guys's perspective and from my point of view this is this is deeply compelling for me because there is always been that curiosity of what happened what happened that set this course in my life that caused such carnage and such damage not only to myself, but also to Ashlyn and others. And being able to unwind that and understand it is, uh, is, is so intriguing and compelling for me. So this, is, uh, this has been a great uh, experience for me. Appreciate you guys. All right. Bye-bye.